Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Cow Marketing, home of the Lead Generation Strategy Report. This report is perfect for small businesses that are looking for a new marketing channel to help them generate more leads. All you need to do is head to our website at lgpodcast.com forward slash leads, enter in your details to order your report, and then we'll send you a list of questions asking about your business and about your goals. Once we get your answers, we'll be able to formulate a personalized strategy for your business, recommending what we think is the best way to go to generate more leads. Just go to lgpodcast.com forward slash leads to take advantage. Welcome back to the Lead Generation Podcast. Today we're going to be talking with Stephen King from Vivid Web Copy about direct response copywriting. So thanks for joining us, Stefan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Uh, Stefan specializes in creating web copy and landing pages for software companies, but the tactics and strategies we're going to be discussing today are going to be applicable to many different types of businesses. So hopefully uh, m- many of our listeners will be able to take something away from this. Um, so let's get started, Stefan. Uh, perhaps we should sort of set the scene by kind of defining our terms here. What, so what is direct response copywriting? Well, so direct response copywriting is when you want to have the visitor of the page act immediately or uh, it's originally evolved from uh, sales letters, traditional sales letters that you would get in the mail. And then you, you want people to act immediately based on very little trust but a lot of information and this is in contrast to uh, copywriting for branding Uh, for example to take an extreme example if you uh, place a Mercedes ad in a magazine then you're not going to expect to buy uh, to have a person run to the store immediately it's more that because as a boy and throughout your childhood and your adulthood you uh, see a lot of Mercedes ads in a magazine at some point when you can afford to buy one you will just naturally know that the Mercedes is right for you so this is a very extreme uh, end of the spectrum in between you have uh, TV advertising and radio advertising where you make people slowly familiar with a a certain brand name and everything so that is uh, branding advertising and that is in contrast to direct response advertising where you just want to have people act immediately and that can be uh, give you a call, uh, give you a donation, make a sale. You ask for significant action from cold traffic based on information. Cool, cool. So this sounds like it's definitely very applicable to the web where people often have the ability to take an action right away as opposed to, like you, like you say with your example, if someone's reading something in a magazine, they, you know, the for one, they're nowhere near the store. For two, they probably, you know, don't have the money if it's a car, something like a car. So I can see how this relates well to the web. Um, thinking about sort of our typical listener, which might be a small business, probably a service-based business, um, what, what are some of the sort of typical actions that they might be trying to drive, uh, some of these um, immediate actions they want to get the, the copywriting to drive when there are people on their website? Well, there, there's usually, uh, if you are a service-based business, for example, you are a lawyer, and you have a website, you want people to give you a call because that's when you can engage engage with them in the sales process and just ask what their problem is and you are in a dialogue. 
and the purpose of the website is to filter a prospect who comes to your website down to a real lead and that is when you have them on the call so the action is call me now uh, another example could be if you are selling an expensive product or an expensive service then you can ask them to download a report for example it could be a technical case study for them to verify two things like first of all that you really know what you're talking about to to position yourself as an authority and they understand like you really understand what this business is and and what this equipment does and and the second thing is it introduces them more into the details of how the value is going to be delivered and then uh, that is uh, the goal of the website is to to move them further down to give them more information and usually you would exchange that report or that case study for an email address so that is like somebody raising their hand and saying hey I'm interested in this stuff and I'm willing to give up my email address. I trust you enough that you will not spam me. And as a person behind the website, you know they care about the information. So it makes it very easy to continue the dialogue and, and follow up with them afterward. So those are two typical actions that you want people to, to do when they come to your website. Cool, cool. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's, I guess, important, uh, particularly I think that the phone call one um, for a lot of our listeners, but um, the the email address one's quite interesting too. That's something we're going to be t- uh, uh, addressing in later episodes here on the, on the podcast and how to sort of market to people once they get onto those email lists. Um, so I'd like to sort of get an idea of what are some of the sort of typical tactics or methods that a that a direct response copywriter such as yourself um, can use to drive the action that you're talking about. Yeah, so I have a, a very uh, regimented process for uh, for writing sales copy so I know that many people have a different style of working but for me it is a, I, I use a very specific set of techniques and I just formalize it and I go through it step by step and one of the things I do for example is create an avatar uh, you you have some understanding of uh, your target audience and who your person who the person is that you can help with your service or product and you want to keep this type of person always in front of you when you are writing the sales copy because you are talking to them as a person it's not like hey you guys out there on the web like those thousands of people that I might reach it's more that you distill all the features that they have in common into one character and you just imagine what type of person is you can even give him a name him or her a name and then, then you, 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 you imagine that person sitting in front of you and then you start talking to them or writing them a personal email. And that is, that is a very powerful technique to say exactly the right thing uh, with exactly the right tone. Um, so the second thing I do is uh, define the value proposition. And value proposition is quite a technical term for a nuts and bolts understanding or statement or model of how the value is going to be delivered to the customer because they have certain needs based on who they are and you your product has features you know physical stuff that they pay money for and there's a uh, there needs to be a sync up like there's a way in which those features of the product are actually going to make them happy make their life better make them more money if it's business to business so 
you have to have a very detailed understanding of how that is going to happen. And there are several models of how you can construct that value proposition. And that's a good uh, way to get started writing the sales copy. And a third technique or a thing that you might say is, is typical of, of uh, creating sales copy is that you, uh, cr uh, you pace the emotions of the people towards this action that you want them to take, their direct response. And you do that by uh, modulating their emotions through the sales copy. And you, the more space you have, the more time you have to, to play around with this. But you typically do this by you know, changing the sizes of the paragraphs. And you uh, sometimes you put in exclamation marks if it's uh, more of a business-to-consumer product. Uh, you can use underlining or bold and you just use a certain amount of those uh, emotion pacing elements in your copy depending on what type of offer you are selling. Cool, cool. Um, something that uh, I've sort of read about when, when I've been uh, looking into things like copywriting and things like landing pages is, is various um, techniques that people use to do with like scarcity and um, scarcity of time, like a, like a limited time offer, or like we only accept you know 500 customers. Are these the sorts of things that you would be including within the copy, or is this more of a broader strategy type thing, which which goes in there? Yeah. So you uh, there there is this set of concepts that you play around with. Uh, the most famous book about this was from Robert Cialdini. Uh, most marketers have heard of that, right? Called influence, and they have these six principles, these overarching principles that make people act without thinking too much about it. Like the, you have the economic model that describes how people behave in a rational way or in a context. Right? On average, you can people expect to respond this to this in this market situation. And then Cialdini's innovation here was to use the uh, knowledge of psychology to, to see how, uh, in which situations people react without really thinking about it. Because they are wired by evolution uh, to, to respond in a, in a certain automatic way. And these six principles that, that uh, I think it was five or six principles, I, consistency, reciprocation, social proof, authority, liking, and scarcity. Like those are the principles that he described. And uh, this has become such a standard set of principles in marketing that everybody uh, usually applies them almost subconsciously. Uh, I would say that, that everybody knows that you need to have testimonials and that's an example of social proof, right? And of course, if you have done business with a few famous airlines and you have, uh, then you want to put those logos on your, on your front, uh, front webpage, right? That's automatic. And uh, as a copywriter, I, I usually uh, include uh, them more deliberately at the end. For example, the scarcity principle is uh, is, a, is a thing. Yeah. Always give a limited time offer if you are running a sale in an email. That's a very uh, good example. You can always use those. You have to be careful. You have to use some taste to decide which of these uh, persuasion principles you apply to your copy. Cool. Yeah, it's um, it's something that uh, I like what you added at the end there with about the taste because it can come off badly. I think if you don't execute execute it well so I think you know having someone like yourself to to a consult on, on this kind of stuff is probably pretty pretty handy let's move along now uh, one of your key services on your website is uh, you talk about writing the copy for the about page 
Um, I know this is a page that many businesses perhaps don't spend a lot of time creating. Maybe they just sort of throw something up there. So what, what are the kind of the important elements uh, that should be on an about page and how can they be used to further businesses' goals? Uh, so first of all, I want to say that the about page is a very challenging piece of content because of the specifics of your situation that, that you have to apply before you can write it well. I'm even still struggling with my own about page and it's, it's usually very difficult to, to do your own about page well. It's uh, better to, or it's easier to, to write it for someone else. I've done it many times and what I find is that you have to distinguish first of all between Am I selling a person here? Is this a personal website? Is this lawyer John from Vancouver who is just the best lawyer in Vancouver and he's been practicing for 20 years and we want to know all about John? Or is it a impersonal thing? Like there's this software as a service that everybody's using and I don't care who the CEO is and who the developers are in the basement who are actually making this thing run, but I just want to use it. And then, oh, because this is so popular and I saw it on TechCrunch, I also want to know what this company is and what is the history of this company. And then, you, of course, you have a radically different approach to writing one about page versus the other. And there's one thing that you have to start with that is that both have in common, and that is the concept of storytelling. This is a big thing in marketing now since about three years. Everybody's talking about storytelling, and the about page is a very good piece of content where you can apply this idea of storytelling because stories always have a hero, and the hero has to you know, overcome certain certain obstacles and then he he gets the girl the gold and he gets the girl and and then everything is all right in the world right so that's that's a very simple structure that everybody's familiar with through books and through movies and tv shows and now you don't literally tell a story on your about page but this framework of a hero overcoming an obstacle and 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 gaining a goal you have to use that because if you are lawyer john in vancouver then you want to show your background like how did you become a lawyer why as a kid were you interested in 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 arguing debating and and, and law and like you have to tell a story it doesn't have to be so long but there have to be a few key points that explain why you became who you are as a person and then that naturally extends into why you are so great at delivering the service is completely natural just like you know, just like um, like a lion lies uh, on the savannah and hunts, just uh, in the same way you have become this person. It's completely natural. There's no doubt about that you are in the right place at the right time because there's this history. Now, and the company page is very similar. That The company is a hero as well. Or you could say that the customer is a hero and the company is helping him or her achieve his or her goal. So you, you have this history of a company that is completely inevitable that they're creating this value for you. And that is the basis of an about page. Cool. That's a really a detailed answer, which um, this, this is so much. It, that's, the, the stuff, uh, that's the thing I sort of love about this kind of stuff. There's so much beneath the surface once you start, start talking to someone like yourself who, who sort of knows what they're doing. Whereas someone like me just goes, yeah, it's an about page. You sort of throw up a few details about yourself, but uh, you can really delve deep when you when you start talking about the hero, uh, which t- totally makes sense, and and about um, uh, make, making it sort of feel natural. And, and I guess you can tie it back to the the customer avatar, which you mentioned before, really really seeing what uh, you know, that person is looking for, how you can appeal to them specifically. 
Um, let's move along to another uh, thing, uh, another sort of type of copywriting, I guess, which is the long-form sales page. I thought maybe you'd be able to um, explain to us, to our listener, a little bit about that, what that is, and, and how it should be used. Yeah, so the long-form sales page is a long sales page, and uh, typically long means a about 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, in ex- extreme cases, even 10,000 words of sales copy. And if you're not familiar with counting words, that is just one of those pages you might have encountered on the internet just, that just goes on and on and on. You just keep scrolling and you st- see more stuff and more stuff and you just can't get to the bottom. That is a long-form sales page. And you, um, you use that type of sales page when... You want to have people act now. It's a very pure form of direct response copy. And they are cold traffic. They've never heard of you before. You've just uh, uh, ran a campaign on Google or uh, Facebook and you have paid for the advertisement and they clicked on it because they found it interesting. And the only thing you know about them is that they clicked on your ad and they came to your web page. And the only thing they know about you is that you had that ad on Facebook. So there's zero trust to begin with, and the only thing you know that they might be interested in your product. And then you, you have to engage them. You have to keep them on the page. That's the job of the headline. And then you engage them to, to, to read further down the page, to even scan the page. Like people usually go up and down, just see what is this thing about. And if they already recognize that this is a sales page, they, they go down to the bottom, like how much I'm going to pay at the end of this story, right? So that is a, a, a long-form sales page. Is this the sort of thing that a, a small business might use? Or is this typically for like a bigger purchase or what are your thoughts on how like a small business might uh, might use a long form sales page would you recommend they use this, this kind of thing uh, I think it's independent of the size of the business not a matter of who is the organization who is going to deliver the product that is irrelevant uh, what it is about is the price level and the level of familiarity in the type of marketing that you have done to reach them right so the more you want to rely on your brand the less likely you are uh, well off with direct response and the the less brand capital you have the more likely you want to uh, to have a sales page like that is it more useful for like new businesses in that case you're saying it's useful in cases where there's less familiarity there so there's less brand value so does that mean it's be particularly good for new businesses or if you are a new business that has a relatively large marketing budget then i would definitely try to sell your product like this if it's not too expensive uh, if it's possible for someone to be persuaded in about three four thousand words to spend that amount of money on someone they don't know like if it's 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 in the price point up to a hundred dollars, maybe hundred and fifty, if you have a really good source of of traffic, then then it's a good idea to use it. But you have to spend the money on the traffic. And so if you are a new business and you have a product of of about a hundred dollars or less, and you have the cash to optimize this sales page and to spend money on the traffic, then I would recommend to uh, to make a long form sales page for that. Cool, cool. Thanks, Stefan, for for joining us today. I think we're going to try and wrap up 
about there. It's been a really good uh, overview of direct response copywriting. Before we uh, go away, I was wondering if there's, do you have anything that perhaps our listener could take away from this podcast today and sort of apply to their business to see some results? Yes, I, I have, uh, the first thing I would suggest is to just go to your website and load it up on your screen, uh, take a few steps back. Uh, I don't know where you are, it could be two meters or five feet, right? You, you just uh, take a quick glance at it from a, from a larger distance. And you ask yourself, like, what is the first thing that I'm seeing here? What is the first impression? Uh, is, it, is it a headline uh, that is large enough to, to inspire people to, to stay? Does it say the right thing? Does it speak to your target audience? Yes or no? Is it a picture that evokes the right type of feeling? Like what is the thing that, that is the most salient on your landing page? And you can see that by stepping back a few feet and just deciding for yourself, is that the thing that I want people to see when they get to my website? And maybe not, maybe yes. So work on that if you're not satisfied with that result. Uh, the second thing, uh, very important, is uh, make sure that you have your social proof elements on the front page. Because this is something you tend to forget if you have done a lot of business over a long time. And, and you have so much capital built up uh, in, uh, in your clients or your customers. And you maybe you've even never asked, like, what do you think of our product? Can, I, can, can you say something about it? And if you have those stashed away somewhere in emails, uh, people thanking you for what you did, and then you can just use that as content and put it on the front page. Because the first thing that I'm worried about as a prospect is can I trust this person here on this website? Is this uh, is this gonna going to be uh, worthwhile? Continue to read, and if other people are saying that that you are worth spending my time on, then I will probably stay. Great. Do you have tips on how to set up those testimonials? Should there be a little photo, if possible? They should be long or short, or does it matter? Uh, yeah, that's. A, I'm really glad you asked that question because uh, I've I've written actually a chapter about that in my book. Uh, it's a uh, it's a, if you can get this the if you can get the the best possible thing would be to to have a video of someone talking about your product or service and this person has uh, has to be your perfect. Uh, target audience your, your, it has to be a per- perfect member of your customer base so if you are selling uh, expensive marketing services to large brands then you want to have that video be some CEO of some big ass company talking about uh, how great you are right? if you are selling a kitchen knife for $47 you want to have either a chef cook or a housewife talk about how great this knife is and uh, that can just be a few minutes or at most, you know, depending on how complex the product is. That's the absolute best thing you could get. In practice, you usually get a piece of text, an email, or a transcript of a, of a conversation that you had. Because this is easier to get, easier to, to have them say yes to. You don't have to produce a whole video. And that is what I have personally done. I don't even put up pictures there. If you can get pictures, make sure that they're good pictures and that they're all consistent and made in the same way, maybe even made with this, uh, by the same photographer, and then just have it well-designed on your page. If that's too much trouble, then it's okay to just have uh, a line with a name and a job title. 
it's very important that the identity of this person is verifiable because if it's a name with a with a with a with a letter like if it's John M from some city that I've never heard of before which I cannot look up in the phone book then it's probably a fake testimonial so it has to it has to it has to be real uh, and then and then you can make it work cool cool thanks thanks very much for those tips um it's good Good to have something for our listener to be able to take away from the episode. Uh, before we uh, leave you here, Stefan, you mentioned your book there. How can people um, get a hold of that? Maybe, maybe give us a bit more information about that and, and how people... Yes, you can just go to my website. It's uh, vividwebcopy.com. And on the upper left, on the upper right, I'm sorry, on the upper right there is a, uh, a menu item that says book. And if you go there, you go to the sales page and you have a medium form piece of sales copy that explains why this book is so great. Uh, it only costs $9, so it's a total steal. You can just, if you're curious about copywriting at all, if you want to take a stab at writing your own sales copy, it's, it's a no-brainer. You just click the button and you buy it. Great. So um, people can get an idea, I guess, of, of what the copywriting is all about by, by example, by going and checking out this sales page Stefan's mentioned. And like you said, grab, the, grab a copy for yourself. It sounds like a pretty good uh, value at only $9. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us today, Stefan. It's been fantastic talking to you about this topic. It's, um, it's just like I said before about the about pages. There's just so much content here and it's, it's really interesting to delve into it. So Thanks very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It was really good talking to you and then sharing sharing my ideas. It's it's good to uh, to talk about what I love. So, thank you for that. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks again for tuning in. To find the show notes for this episode, head to our website at lgpodcast.com. You can also find information about subscribing there. So we're available on both iTunes and Stitcher. You can also subscribe to our email list to be emailed each time we release a new episode. So just head to lgpodcast.com.